podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host Ajit and joining me today to, you know, review this amazing test match that ended between India and Australia, the fourth of the series, is my co-host Giri. Hello Giri, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi Ajit, how are you doing? I'm recovering from all the let's say mm-hmm. the highs of the morning. where yeah, um, yeah. you now we got to see an incredible incredible chase and now let's dive yeah. right in i would say i'm still grinning from year to year by the way so yeah. i can't stop smiling i think it's one of those days that happens in your life uh, this has happened already twice in our lifetime right so once in 2018 2019 that was a couple of years ago when india won it for the first time and they did it again this time around so it's fantastic so let's get into it then indeed i mean as always you know we we already discussed about this in the preview of the game that this is going to be really special because i mean anything they achieved short of a loss would be special right because you have debutants with natarajan and sundar people who just came along uh, at least for the test leg of the squad as net bowlers these two were you know mm. they drafted and thakur as you say you know coming for a second debut his first debut really did not count because i think he retired hurt in the second over or something right yeah. and then of course you have agarwal coming back into the squad and then so look at the people that are replacing bumrah is going out jadeja is going out ashwin and vihari are going out right so the heroes of the third test ashwin and vihari both you know they really put their bodies on the line to such an extent that they couldn't couldn't really play the next test as they say you know let's start at the starting so in this case if you look at the way the test match started australia won the toss elected to bat first it could very well have been writing on the wall as far as india are concerned so would you like to take us through the first pair of innings maybe giri yeah sure so basically it started with a toss i think we spoke about this in our previous episode as well along with our guest speaker manjunath that the toss was going to be key here and when you win a toss in brisbane you you know try to put out a big score on the board in excess of 350 maybe 400 put the opposition under pressure and you basically wear them down you know uh, dismiss them quickly get a lead and then finish them off in the second innings that's what you intend to do and australia looked to be on course for that so they won the toss and they had no hesitation in deciding to bat first as expected and they i think they did pretty well uh, to be honest apart from the openers i still don't understand why uh, david warner is in the squad if it's if he's not fully fit maybe his presence makes a difference in the team and uh, himself on marcus harris i think they had a very cheap start uh, david warner was in fact dismissed in the very first over Uh, of the bowling of the very impressive up and coming fast bowler mohammad siraj uh, playing in his third test match by the way and then marcus harris followed him very cheaply i think uh, in the 19th 9th over or something he was dismissed with a score on 17 runs uh, and in walked uh, you know uh, steven smith who then joined marnus labushain or labushagni uh, these two got together very well um, there was a sizable partnership like i think 70 80 runs together and then in came washington sundar the debutant off spinner and then he took the wicket of steven smith that was his first wicket 
of Stephen Smith. So that's something he'll remember for uh, quite some time. Um, and he was caught, I think, in the slips. No, in the in midwicket, in fact. So he fell into the trap. It was a meek dismissal anyway. Um, but then uh, Labushkagni or Labushain was still there. Uh, he was carrying the innings uh, for the team. He scored a century, in fact. And they, he had some partnerships with Matthew Wade, Cameron Gein, Green, and uh, the captain, Tim Payne, all of whom got starts, to be honest. And Tim Payne even got a 50, but none of them capitalized. And when Labushain was dismissed, I think the score was about five down for 210, 215. And then very importantly, I think Tim Payne continued to bat, right, along with Cameron Green. And they put on nearly a hundred run partnership when uh, Tim Payne was dismissed. It was 300 and something for the loss of six wickets. Uh, and Australia, you know, they were looking pretty comfortable until then. I think if you look at the score, they were always on score uh, on, um, you know, on they were on the way to make a 400 here or maybe 450 plus the way they were batting, especially the middle order, they were playing really well. But none of them, you know, could make a big daddy hundred, for example, like Ken Williamson does for New Zealand. Right. So that, that was probably the problem. And then credit to Indian bowlers. I think they did not surrender. That, that has been the ongoing thing for, theme for the whole series, to be honest. None of them surrendered. So they just kept bowling good line and length, very patient. They knew the runs were flowing, but they, they could plug the flow of runs. You know, They could still restrict them to a respectable score. Um, even though the tail wagged a little bit for uh, Australia, they were in the end dismissed for 369 runs. Um, in 115 overs. So it's not such a bad uh, score, I would say, considering they had such good partnerships in the middle. Uh, so bad, I would say Australia were about 50, even 60 runs short. Um, because in Brisbane, you time, uh, kind of score 400 plus normally, right? So that's what they expect in the first innings. And India, you know, they, they began more or less okay, apart from Shubman Gill, who fell very early to um, Cummins. Cummins has been an outstanding bowler. I think we'll talk about it at length later. Um, and Rohit Sharma got a start. So in the previous match, he scored a 50 in the second innings. But in this match, he uh, you know he got out for 44 uh, to Nathan Lyon. I think he was trying to sweep or something or something like that. He got caught. Um, yeah, I think he, he was held in the deep. Uh, but then again... Um, Cheteshwar Pujara, the senior pro, along with the captain, Ajinka uh, Rahane, steadied the ship. They they put on a small partnership. And then when Pujara was dismissed off a peak, uh, off a delivery from uh, you know Hazelwood, I think was a fantastic ball. Uh, then India were uh, 105 for three runs. Um, Mayank Agarwal, who then, you know, is the, the uh, specialist batsman in the, in the squad, um, replacing uh, Hanuma Vihari. He made. He had a good start. I think he had 30 or 30 odd runs, but he also did not last there along with uh, Rahane. And India were in a spot of bother when uh, even Rishabh Pant was dismissed. I think there were 186 runs uh, for the loss of six wickets. And Australia, you know, Australia had 369 on board, so they were looking at a conceding a very big lead there, maybe 100 plus runs, 150 runs. But a miracle just happened. I think what happened, what transpired. And I was very lucky to catch this live. I just woke up very early in the morning and I happened to watch this live to some extent. The two debutants, you know, the second one is the second debutant, like you, like you said, Washington Sundar and Shardu Thakur. Um, these two guys put on a 100 run, 120 runs uh, partnership and that was a game changer. If this hadn't happened, I think 
the result would have been much different i think the australian bowlers they were bowling really well but these two guys played on merit and then at the same time they were not getting into a shell they 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 just played very positive cricket they punished the bad ball they kept rotating the strike you know they had a good strike rate as well 40 50 plus runs uh, per 100 balls so they batted really nicely and then when chardu thakur was dismissed the score was 309 for the loss of seven wickets the bowlers did not contribute much you know towards the end but in the end india managed a score of 336 runs which is you know 33 runs 33 runs shy of the australian score and it could have been much worse right so it could have been 150 runs instead of that you have just 30 odd runs and the way india ended their first innings uh, i think they ended it on such a positive note they carried that momentum with them i would say i think australia expected to take a big lead and they didn't they were disappointed and when they came out to bat i think it was a different story um, in terms of the bowling you know josh hazelwood hazelwood was magnificent with his bowling you know very tight line and length didn't concede a lot of runs and he picked up a 5 for um, along with the other quickies you know mitchell stark and pat cummings in amongst the wickets um, nathan lyon playing in his uh, 100 test match you know he was not as effective as you would have expected him to be uh, okay it was just first innings but he only picked up one wicket that of uh, rohit sharma so india ended up with 336 runs um, i forgot to mention the indian bowling you know indian bowling score um, mohammad siraj picked up one wicket but he bowled really well with control uh and the other guys you know the debutant natarajan and shardul thakur also picked up three wickets along with washington sundar as i said a lead of 33 runs australia had um everything under control they just needed to post a big score and set a big target for india and uh, make it work uh, right and then win the series 2-1 do you want to take yeah. us through the australian innings before we do that i mean some some talking points when it comes to the first yes. set of innings so having made 369 considering the bowling attack at their disposal i think australia would feel fairly confident it was a low scoring series when you look at you know normally there would at least be a couple of 400s maybe even a 500 here and there but it looks like this 369 was the highest score in the whole series and that was made by australia on the first innings of the you know the gabba test so they were let's say in a good position even though india kept competing so the seesaw nature of the series that we have seen throughout continued so india made sure they were competitive and even the debutants contributed they and rajan taking a 3 for sundar sort of replacing ashwin getting rid of smith off break bowler but also washington sundar brought in that all round capability that you, you usually get from jadeja so he took up that role as well it was a very very heartening thing to see the way the indian team kept bouncing back they sort yeah. of put themselves in trouble or got in trouble and then dug themselves out and exactly what you again highlighted right in the batting innings so after the match i was listening to some analysis and ian chappel just simply said that innings by shardul thakur and his partnership with washington sundar was what really saved the game for india and set it up so that they could win it right mm-hmm. of course in the end we know the batting won it in the fourth innings but this means you know this this new found guts i mean for a touring party of indian you know test squads we've seen occasionally we don't see this sort of uh, fight this team has found a new level of fighting even though you know the bowling squad has been decimated your first choice captain and first choice batsman both are gone you have a more enterprising captain it must be said so we might discuss this at mm-hmm. the end najinkya rahane being a more selective or enterprising test match captain even the batters kept counter punching you know nobody got a big score but you know rohit sharma probably is the only one who sort of a little guilty of throwing it away and then to an extent rishabh pant as well but it 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 can happen but 
everybody kept counterpunching so that 336 almost brought them to a parity considering how well really josh hazelwood was bowling and pat cummins was menacing throughout uh, the only disappointment for australia will be mitchell stark who sort of didn't turn up in this game it it would have been crucial if he would have also come and you know that would have been probably too much for the indian tail to resist in the first innings there i think they were they kept scoring of him he considered more than 3 and over in both the innings and of course a little bit more than 4 even in the second one right so these are all like key things i mean what kept the game in balance is that partnership and that as you say that never said die attitude and counter punch that the indian indians were able to bring so a little bit of time was also lost to rain that basically meant you know the onus was now on australia because after all they were the team that was chasing to win this test because india sort of already had the border gavaskar trophy with them and they would be happy with the draw but you know it's not just about winning the series but also you know the points that you would take away into the world test championships both these teams are nicely placed so both teams wanted to win clearly so australia came out counter punching again they scored at a slightly faster clip again except for steven smith 55 there was no 50 score in the entire innings so but there were a bunch of really useful scores in this case the openers came good marcus harris made 38 david warner he started in his traditional way let's say with some uh, forceful shots right at the top he made 48 but then again some credit there i would like to give to washington sundar the way he worked uh, warner out and then dismissed him lbw right so uh, that was very nicely done and then even though there were some you know decent contributions cameron green again 37 tim pain 27 pat cummins 28 all of this you know meant even the australia were all out they made 294 so this is a very good score setting india at target of you know 328 for the last innings there were some murmurs from the commentary box maybe pain could have declared it earlier yeah. but i mean i think they were afraid that they were a bit afraid of how you know determined this indian team was from their performances in the rest of the series except for that you know astounding 36 all out so yeah. you know that australia were little bit apprehensive to declare early and that's how it turned out because you know when it comes to the second innings of course we shouldn't skip the indian bowling analysis because shardul thakur who had taken a 3 for in the first innings took a 4 for but really the star of the show was mohammad siraj who took a 5 for his made in 5 for in tests Uh, on a very nice bouncy pitch it must be said it was a bowler friendly pitch surely but you know also credit to the groundsman here the game was even throughout it was very evenly paced pitch and there was enough help for the fast bowlers so when you saw that the bowlers were able to bend their back there was very good bounce to be had not a lot of lateral movement but it made for fantastic viewing if you are a test match fan right so mm. australia sort of hit out towards the end now navdeep saini as far as india was india was concerned almost never turned up because he bowled well overs in the game he was injured out in the first innings but they were really they were really correct in choosing five bowlers sort of speaking somebody like washington sundar ahead of a kuldeep because washington sundar gave you that control because he was bowling off breaks and bowling to you know left handers taking the ball away from them but also that crucial all round ability that both him and shardul thakur brought so that was also very good selections from the team management there to you know sort of blood these two ahead of you know traditionally we also discussed this it will probably be kuldeep to replace ashwin so that was well done there so now this sets up the whole game right so you have to chase 328 india if you are india and there again i think a little bit of fortune intervened on india's behalf because i think australia had given themselves about 120 overs right or maybe even 115 overs but then there was a bit of rain in the fourth afternoon that meant you know a little bit of time was lost so all india could bat was hardly 2 overs and they were 4 for no loss overnight 
so that meant you know they also gave themselves a chance of trying to you know if required block out the remaining overs and maybe to go for a draw so you know what transpired was absolutely miraculous starting off on the last day requiring 324 runs to win they managed to score the runs with seven wickets lost so again we don't get to see often these sort of chases where the you know the chasing team on the last day of a test match actually makes more than 300 runs this is very rare to see but india achieved that and so uh, largely thanks to their top order it must be said right so rohit sharma failed he was in fact out very early and it could have gone sort of pear shape but then you know australia as they kept running throughout the series they ran into another immovable mm. object cheteshwar pujara mm. at number 3 i think this deserves uh, some words at the end right so yeah. one thing that was really good was the way shubman gill played so he almost reminds one of sehwag with his open minded attitude not with the technique or not with the style of play but really he's more classical but that open minded attitude saying you know i'm going to keep scoring runs when they are presented and not look at the scoreboard and not take on any pressure from the scoreboard this was a very refreshing approach because pujara started in his customary manner as he took a lot of the game out by you know blocking balls or letting them go but then shubman gill kept building on and that meant that this partnership was very crucial because having lost rohit at 18 by the time shubman gill was dismissed india had managed to score 132 you know the partnership of about 114 runs this was very crucial because it was still only 48 overs into the game so that meant you know 46 overs of the day half the day was done but then they had laid a solid foundation with not a lot of wickets lost but then you had one set batsman in chiteshwar pujara and you had plenty of power to come right so one thing about it i think shubman gill was a bit unlucky i think nathan lyon worked him out beautifully set him up in such a way and then he was out caught by smith but then in walked ajinkya rahane and he set the agenda so this is the skipper of the team he's walking in he was not timid he was not looking to let the balls go he was again sort of riding his luck very much like the first innings but he scored 24 runs at better than run a ball and if he had continued he would have continued to play in this positive manner that meant cheteshwar pujara could do his thing there was no worry about whether the runs would come or not and that sort of set the tone for the rest of the innings again india were proactive they promoted pant ahead of mayank agarwal right that meant you know you had a right left combination in the middle and cheteshwar pujara with his absolute you know control and rishabh pant with his enterprise took india forward so rahane was dismissed at the 100 at 167 again it was now in the 57th over right so that means 55 hours were bowled and it was uh, just before tm so I, i i i can tell you i watched this part uh, live and i even remember tweeting maybe so close to t he could have gone into his shell a little bit saved some time and then come back out because you your first let's say your first instinct is to make sure you don't lose the game then you say i'm going to try and win it even though india were taking the right approach i think that that little enterprising cameo from rahane made a big statement to both the australians as well as to his own teammates back in the dressing room that was very nice then you see pant carries on in his own merry way pant also constructed the innings beautifully you know towards the end he hit a little but that was a perfectly constructed test match innings he was going at 50 55 strike rate building it up beautifully mayank agarwal kept him company for a while but then before that of course cheteshwar pujara's dismissal was very crucial so cheteshwar pujara did his job he was dismissed in the second ball of the second new ball but then he had done his job he's seen india through to 80 overs that meant you know from that point on there were less and less chances of india losing and more and more chances of india trying to take on that target trying to see if they could chase it mayank agarwal kept rishabh pant company for a short period that was again very crucial there were no 
back to back blows that australia were able to land so from 228 they took the score to 265 another you no know, nugget 37 run partnership so that basically meant the stage was nicely set it was going to be mayank agarwal with rishabh pant or somebody else but rishabh pant was the key and he showed that he has matured that way that he is able to understand this take the game deep probably he trusted himself knowing that you know he has all the shots he has a proper hitting pedigree we have seen that time and time again in the shorter formats so he didn't have to really think about it so they set it up beautifully even with the last 20 overs left they had given themselves about 100 runs to chase that meant you know with five wickets in hand if one or two wickets fell quickly they could sort of shut shop and sort of play out a draw but then they played enterprisingly and then i think a lot of credit again to washington sundar the way he played in both the innings second innings as well equally important runs even though he made only 22 runs and i think he was really dismissed in a very ugly way trying to reverse sweep but he kept sort of that momentum going and playing classical strokes most of his boundaries were actually down the ground he even i think pulled a six of one of the fast bowlers all wonderful stroke play classical test match stroke play and even rishabh pant kept doing the same thing when the sort of the target came close i think washington sundar get got carried away tried to just got out and pant also looked a bit too eager actually you could see that of the bowling of lan he was trying to force the pace but then finally sense prevailed and then shardul thakur went you know very early but luckily nothing more was required by the time shardul thakur was out the num- number of runs required had been reduced to under you know sort of even 5 so just 3 runs were required and then it was going to be a matter of one shot and that's exactly what happened because i think uh, in this case rishabh pant really did the right thing and not even let navdeep saini take strike you know with his stroke sort of the strike had been exchanged and then rishabh pant just throw one down the ground wrap the match up with the boundary so wonderful wonderful chase to score more than 300 and take on this wonderful australian attack more than a thousand wickets such a lot of patience such a lot mm. of knowledge in that 11 but they were able to take it on this i mean this is effectively you know half of an india a squad along with half of the first choice squad right so and then again mitchell stark sort of didn't turn up when you look at australia's innings they went after him there was one specific over i don't know if you remember giri they they took 20 runs of him so yeah. it was a pull six by i think uh, gill yes in the initial part then following two fours then he i think turned the strike over and pujara sort of hit another four so it's 20 runs unexpectedly that sort of made sure you know it was clearly giving out the right signals india were never looking to shut shop and just you know just block out the remaining overs they were always looking to say we save the game we make it safe for us but then we keep an eye out on chasing it so then as you know a couple of words about the way australians bowled pat cummins was again wonderful 55 runs conceded of 24 overs bowled 10 maidens and four wickets he was unlucky to not get a 5 for and the other bowler who was really unlucky was nathan lyon so to take 2 for 85 of his 31 overs he was playing his 100th test but could not really get that 400th wicket he finished with 399 yeah. wickets right so i mean a couple of instructive things we can get into it one by one so what do you think of this chase what are your thoughts on this initially yeah i'm still a bit speechless to be honest um i didn't expect a victory and in fact when i went to bed last night or uh, what i was thinking of was you know they had predicted some rain so i expected there was overnight rain and then with some more rain during the day the number of overs would be reduced and i was expecting that you know i was hoping that india would play it out for a draw uh, but i saw i watched the first session like i said extended session um for two and a half hours i think and i saw all those things that happened um australians trying everything initially they bowled you know fuller length uh, rohit was out 
and then these two guys you know like you said shubman gill was very very positive very assured in his approach right uh, and he was playing leg side of the ball he was just staying leg side of the ball and then hitting through the line just like sevag <laughs> um so it, it was fantastic i mean i really liked what they were doing shubman gill was always rotating the strike at some point i think he was also frustrated that he was not getting enough strike uh, pujara was you know taking blow after blow because the australians realized they couldn't get them out with fuller line deliveries they were trying to attack the stumps they were trying to bowl outside the ostrom they were trying to bowl in the channel nothing was working so after the first spell you know after the first spell from pat cummins i think he took a break for 15 20 overs and then there was a chat between tim uh, paying and pat cummins when nathan lyon was you know um, bowling and they had a short chat and then the the over succeeding nathan lyon's over pat cummins came back into the attack he had already bowled seven overs uh, seven i think six overs in the in the morning and then he completely changed his approach the very first ball i think he bowled a, a short pitch delivery and then it kept coming at uh, pujara i think they just they just targeted pujara pujara you know he tried to duck under a lot of balls he got hit i think they were keeping a count of it like 10 or 11 times that he took the he took a lot of blows on his body some of them even hit the helmet i think is uh, the flap on his helmet uh, on the hind part i think it it fell off uh when the ball hit the grill of the bowling of uh, Josh Hazelwood i remember that i think there was another time when the ball hit his uh, arm left arm biceps and there was one where he was hit on the rib and there was one where uh, he was hit on the bottom hand he had a very nasty uh, finger bump i think he even threw his bat away he was struggling with pain mm-hmm. but he said i'm not done i'm not going to stay down i'm going to i'm going to get up and then face up to you and he kept doing that and he did that like you know How many deliveries was he out there for? I think he was there for 200 odd deliveries, right? To 211 deliveries. Incredible yeah. guy. Yeah. I mean, who plays like that? I mean, he just grinds the bowling attack down. He just grinds them down. And Pat Cummins, as good as he is, they, he ensured that he, you know, yeah, until the moment when you know he was LBW to Pat Cummins, he, he didn't give them a chance. Basically, it was fight back. I mean, the other thing I was looking at, I think this was something they mentioned in the commentary. Maybe it was Terry O'Keefe. I think. he said manas labushain who happens to be the highest scorer in this test series by the way he has mm-hmm. i think let me check how much was that i think he ha- he scored 426 runs mm-hmm. um and pat cummins highest wicket taker in the series 21 wickets in four matches so these two guys you know they 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 were very prolific but unfortunately their team ended up on the losing side and manas labushain apparently he pays uh, he faced about 830 or 840 deliveries in the whole series mm-hmm. right in the four matches that he played right and teteshwar pujara scored less runs of course but he faced 920 930 deliveries something like that so it's even more than manas labushain he didn't score enough runs but of course the impact is telling i think you can say it doesn't matter how many runs you score but if you can bat like that and wear your opposition down it makes life so much easier for your guys coming in like you know rishabh pant or uh, shubman gill whoever it is so they play around him right the whole indian batting lineup he is the fulcrum he is the pivot this was the case when we had rahul dravid all those years ago and this was like, this even happened i think in adelaide in 2003 i remember that double century from rahul dravid right when india did not have a lead you know they they conceded a lead yet they ended up winning it just like this so i mean i i am I, i'm speechless i mean i i can't describe this i mean i am i'm lost for words but the impact pujara has even though his highest score was 77 in the series 
those 77 runs i think every run is worth its weight in gold and this guy is quite incredible so uh, without him i think there wouldn't be any victory you can say they were, you know he he slows things down i think there was there was a tweet one from a prominent uh, personality i think there was said uh, hanuma vihari you know he lost the game for india because he he took it uh, in, in the previous match you know he didn't score quickly enough and he lost the game for india somebody uh, some uh, did you see there was a retort back from a certain hanuma vihari for that because he had called him bihari and uh, yeah. so hanuma vihari corrected with a stars hanuma vihari so it's not bihari it's vihari i mean who, i mean yeah i can tell you who it was but we don't need to discuss that no. so the point is how it's perceived that you know this old old world quality still exists in this game that this five day game is there out of four of these tests two of those went into five days right the second chase was on the fifth day so when you look at it it's it's, it's very important that there is still room for a person who looks to grind the attack down so that the rest of the counter attackers the stroke makers that come after him are able to make use of it the innings from cheteshwar pujara both in this test as well as in the uh, scg test are absolutely absolutely invaluable for the team so mm-hmm. for me he is the india's man of the series simply because of the yeah. number of balls he faced not because of the number of runs he made because look it's a low scoring series the highest score in the entire four test series has been 369 mm-hmm. right when you look at that it's about time so it's not just about runs it's also about time of course scoring runs is always good you have the pressure that you can but then making sure that you're there even though you don't score the runs is equally important because in the way he played so we all remember the fantastic efforts of hanuma vihari and ashwin in the latter half of the last day right at scg the first half was taken up by cheteshwar pujara right and rahane and yeah. all of these people yeah. so that there again he had so those two 50s was what kept india in the series the 250 he scored in scg and then he topped it up again in the first innings he was sort of building up to the same sort of an innings he had made 25 odd in i think 94 balls and mm. but for a freak dismissal or but for a dismissal that he would have gone on to make the same sort of a contribution that would have see the way i look at it if this one batter is ready to bat out 200 balls another 200 balls from the rest of the innings will make sure you bat 80 overs there will never be another 36 all out right mm. so that is very crucial so this is also something there will always be naysayers but then when you look at the mm. overall analysis the final analysis his team won all the balls he played 900 plus balls he played contributed towards a series win and that's how it should be if he had lost would have been a real travesty because of the effort that he put in the amount of really putting his body on the line for his team that that's fantastic to see right you have yeah. stroke makers like pant who's now learned to judiciously mix you know his aggression with caution but you have up and comers like shubman gill fantastic to see you have people like uh, sundar who are almost like sundar and shardu who look like they were born to play test cricket right so the fitness was there the attitude was there and also you know they never said a attitude you say no i will not give up so all of this was fantastic so multiple times again in this test just like the rest of the series it kept you at the edge of your seat because mm-hmm. it would never go according to script no team would simply dominate score 500 600 put the other team under pressure no no i, I was also thinking about the captaincy of rahane here mm-hmm. uh, what difference he made not just as a batsman you said he he made a statement when he came out to bat in the second innings he tried to score runs very quickly he said the right intent but the the tactical nerves of uh, rahane i mean he was attacking even when the australians were scoring a lot of runs in the first inning you remember that he had a lot of catchers he had right. he brought the field up he he just never settled for them to declare you know he was always trying to make things happen 
and he had the bowlers like siraj who could you know deliver uh, when he needed them so i mean what do you think about his captaincy compared with you know for example tim pain tim pain also did a decent job as far as captaining the squad goes but i think you can see that ajinkya rahane is sort of a bowlers captain Mm. he's not a captain who sort of enforces plans that he makes with the back back room staff on the bowlers and he sort of more in at the mo- at the moment he sort of trusts his bowlers to deliver for him and of course they make all these extensive plans set these nice fields as you say when you look at the way he captains it's more of let's say let's get this guy out mindset rather than let's tie him down mindset right mm. i think tim K- tim pen showed the same attitude throughout that's why the series was so interesting right see i don't want to bail it tell anybody here but there was a tweet by somebody that said mm-hmm. rahane has actually won this test match with three rcb bowlers and yeah, that's yeah. that right but of course look for me i i would rather say from what i've seen of siraj bowl he looks like a long term test match bowler so you know ishan sharma mm-hmm. is there but eventually his career will come to an end so it it's not a bad thing if you have test match specialists like Uh, pujara or ishan sharma or maybe tomorrow mm. going further i think really siraj he lived that dream that his father had for him he couldn't even mm. go to you know his father's funeral but then he fulfilled those dreams he won a series for india he took a 5-4 and a test match player and as you say when it comes to rahane i was always very curious to see what sort of field placements there would be you would have an enterprisingly placed short square like somewhere you know at a weird angle not at a traditional square like you would have a point that's catching but you know a little bit further front in front of square because there's a gully behind him all of these were very unique i'm sure the backroom staff helped him but i think he trusted his bowlers so i think this also showed in the previous test when with when ashwin was around i think they they have a good camaraderie and they have a good rapport and that really helps and they are mm. able to trust each other they will deliver so your captain will trust mm. you and you will deliver as a bowler that's very good to have and as i said rahane was fantastic so also with the bat the way he batted in mcg really set the tone for india in the rest of the series also in his little cameos he was able to pitch in with that intention clearly mm. stating that this is what we are going for right mm-hmm. fantastic all round fantastic captaincy from rahane and i would dare say even though tim pen didn't do such a bad job of it right they lost some crucial mm-hmm. moments Australia lost some crucial moments and we can go through them but it looks like that's what that was the difference he had the, let's say the best all round attack at his disposal and he couldn't enforce yeah. the result timpe yeah. i also think he did not have enough of an authority over nathan lyon because hmm. um, he had a very set field i think there was a formula for success against cheteshwar pujara right uh, so he was he had a very leg side heavy field and there was nobody on the offside I'm, of course you know you try to have the gap so you invite the drive but there was nobody catching in in front uh, like in a silly point or short cover mm. so and pujara you know just pats the ball away and this was mentioned 100 times i think by both <laughs> shane won and mark war everybody you know they i got tired of it because they were complaining so much and yet nathan lyon did not do anything about it uh, right so nathan lyon apparently has a formula that works for him he just sticks mm-hmm. with it He doesn't care what the captain wants, so he, it, it worked for him. He has nearly got three, four hundred wickets now. But fine, but maybe sometimes they also need to look at the match situation and then you know think what is best for that moment rather than just go with a predetermined formula, whatever. So I think, yeah, as you rightly said, Stark was not there. He was very grumpy. I think he had issues with the foothold, uh, ankle issues, and all that. So he was not there. in the end i think it was a very deserving win the other thing i would like to point out is because we had three debutants right uh, 
Rajul Thakur. Yeah, I mean, he has not had enough batting performances. So there was not much data about him, I would say, in international cricket. So the Australians may not have had a chance to analyze this in detail. Of course, they have some mm-hmm. T20 or limited overs information, but I don't think they had any idea about how this guy would bat in test cricket. So they had the element of surprise, the Indian batters as well as the bowlers. So they, they probably had some plans, but they didn't have any plan B or plan C. They may have had, but that didn't work apparently. And the other thing is, there was a big crack, I think, outside the off stump. All the fast bowlers were trying to aim at that. And to be honest, the Indian bowlers were more successful in uh, making it work. I think the dismissal of Stephen Smith of the bowling of Mohamed Siraj, if you saw that, I think it would have been very uh, encouraging for the Australian bowlers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the end, it didn't work, right? So, but very well played India. Uh, I'm not saying Australia played badly, but India just for way ahead of Australia. We have to look, you know, at the bigger picture here, at how they really, how they really came back, kept competing from the 36 all out loss of a senior pro, loss of captain, loss of the best batter, loss of first uh, line attack. You had Ashwin. You had people standing up at different points in the series for India and showing that character, showing that courage. Could be Pujara. It could be Ashwin. It could be Rahane himself. Right. It could be Pant multiple times in the series. So. It, so all of these were at least Pan showed he's coming of age as a test match cricketer. A really, really special cricketer to be cherished. You know, he'll go and play this odd um, dash, daft shot and come back. Yeah. But, yeah. but he needs to be encouraged. This is again a gem of a player that he can win your test matches as he's shown in this tour, right? Test matches away. Yeah. There's nothing like that. Yeah. Ravish Shastri made a public endorsement in that uh, one mm. sort of a public endorsement in that speech he gave in the dressing room when he said. Rishabh Pant was always going to play the way he does. He normally does. He was not going to change the way he played. It's just that Pant has now learned the way of adapting. Uh, right? I think he has just done that. He has come of age, to be honest. Two years ago, if you looked at Pant in Australia, he was very, you know, swashbuckling. He was hammering the ball over the place or he was just failing. And this is a guy who, you know, who made his test debut. His first ever test innings. The first shot he plays is a sixth down the ground. Right. I remember, yes. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the same guy who has now won a match for India, won a game for India. So this is coming of age. And Shubman Gill, I think you have to spare a thought for him. Mm-hmm. The future of Indian batting looks extremely bright. Hoping he continues in the same form. He, you know, learns new things. And I think we were talking about this off-air. The grassroots level, you know, the cricket at grassroots level at India, in India, is extremely good right now because we have a certain Rahul Dravid, right? Nurturing these youngsters, Rishabh Panchu, Mangil, even Washington Sundar, you know, even they, these guys were under the ages of uh, Rahul Dravid, right? So we see the result of that now. So in the last four or five years, they've been groomed in a certain way. And when you look at these guys, they have no fear, right? So it's such a nice endorsement anyway uh, for uh, cricket, test cricket. So I really Indeed. loved, I enjoyed this match. Now nah, he would have he would have taken immense pride in the performance of his wards, right? Many of these are just straight India A products. So yeah. I mean, overall, again, a series for the for all ages, I would say. So for me, I was thinking about it. This series will fall into the top three best test match series I've ever seen or have ever got a chance to experience. So for me, this is right up there with the 2001 uh, India Australia series. And also the uh, 2005 Ashes. So those three for me will form the top three test match series that I have witnessed. And I don't know if we'll really 
see another one to dislodge one of these three from the top three. But who knows? Even if another test match uh, series comes along, I don't know if this one will be dislodged from the top three. Fantastic cricket, very much seesawing, keeping you really, 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 you know, engrossed. You can't take your eyes off the screen. You can't take your eyes off the commentary. So fantastic. So all in all, I think it was a, you know, wonderful endorsement for five-day test match cricket, considering how many tests in this series also went to the fifth day. Now, if you were to take a quick look at the upcoming, let's say, the matches that are for both these teams. So, we can also look at, take a look at the World Test Championship. So, with this win, India are now on top of the World Test Championship, uh, let's say, uh, leaderboard again, because India are number one. The PCT is 71.7%. New Zealand, uh, who have sort of played out all the test matches that they'll play, have 70%. Australia have dropped to 692 and England have 65.2. The rest, I don't think they have a chance. So in this case, if you were to take a quick look at the upcoming series for these four teams, we know India will play a four-match home series against England. Australia have a proposed three-test match series against South Africa, but this is yet to be confirmed. So this means there is quite a lot of very exciting test match cricket to look forward to. If you look at what are the things that each team needs to do, considering where they are currently, India will need to beat England at least 2-0. But if they lose a test there, it will have to be 3-1 for them. So in that four-match series, right? So India will still need to be on guard if they need to qualify for the World Test Championship final. They have to be really good. This is provided England have already beaten Sri Lanka 2-0. They're already leading 1-0, by the way. And that will mean they have to actually beat India 3-0 if they have to start qualify. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Australia, they have to look to beat South Africa at least 2-0, if not 3-0. Mm-hmm. Then they stand a chance of, let's say, leapfrogging uh, New Zealand. So New Zealand are sort of settled at two and they look very comfortably placed at number two. So come uh, June of you know, 2021, I think it's going to be very interesting uh, which two teams will uh, line up. Absolutely. I think I still, I will still go with India. India have a better chance of uh, making that final it's between the other three teams, I would say. So India well placed. And India-England series will start in February. February the 5th will be the first test match. I think that will be played in... Uh, Chidambaram Stadium, Chennai. In fact, we have two uh, venues, just two venues, two biosecure venues, uh, Chennai and uh, the new Motera, the new Sardar Vallabhai Patel Stadium in Ahmedabad. In terms of crowd capacity, I think that's the biggest in the world. 110,000, I'm told. So we'll have two matches um, in both of those locations. It'll be a four-test series, so so it's a mouth-watering prospect. I, I really, I mean, we were denied of a lot of cricket last year mm-hmm. due to the COVID situation and all that. People have learned to live with COVID now, so we get to see more cricket. And this is amazing news. And uh, thankfully, these are in more sociable hours, so we don't have to stay up late. or. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. something I'm going to enjoy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you brought up a very valid point. My sleep cycle is sort of a little upset over the last four to five You're, years. Yeah, I think you're now uh, better suited to live in Australia, maybe. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, but I don't know if I'll get a chance to take a plane and go there. But that's beside the point, right? Because yeah. because of COVID. Let's move on. Let's now take a quick look at the other test match that finished in the interim, right? It was a fairly one-sided game. It was uh, Sri Lanka versus England played at Gaul. And again, if we remember, England have beaten Sri Lanka in their previous visit to the Emerald Nation. So England are really really also surging. It's not like it'll be easy for India when they Mm. uh, host England later in the year. But England really will come off with a lot of confidence because this was a thorough, thorough team performance. So bowling first, 
they restricted sri lanka to 135 must be said sri lanka really played some daft shots because they they were looking really comfortable at you know 71 for 2 71 for 3 there was a lot even 3 for 81 i dare say it could have been very comfortably at 200 250 because look this was a typical gaula pitch and sri lanka had packed their team with multiple spinners right three frontline spinners and it was going to be death by spin everything was set up from 81 for 3 to which you could have gone to 200 220 that would have been really really enough with so many spinners in the team but they couldn't make that happen and you know they kept plugging away so a lot of credit to bess and leech but also i think broad who made the initial two breakthroughs right that was very crucial for england i mean i think he himself acknowledged it it was probably not the best 54 anybody has ever taken but of test match 54 as a test match 54 where you have people just hitting into fielders hands and from 135 all out on the very first day sri lanka were always up against it england also lost their openers quickly because they also started sri lanka with a left arm spinner embuldenia and uh, he embuldenia was really good throughout the test and so was perera right dilruan perera but um joe root was the real difference so first johnny besto who's been recalled in the place of joe denley batting at number 3 and him set up a partnership so they took the team score to 3 for 131 right and then uh, from you know 2 for 17 it could have been anything they played out the rest of the first day they took uh, england to a comfortable position even though johnny besto was dismissed very soon on the second day he had done enough that meant you know with the scores almost at parity england could forge ahead very comfortably and joe root scored a daddy 100 a 228 his second 100 in the uh, emerald isle right and he was very well supported by the debutant dan lawrence who scored 73 josh butler put in a 30 and well the tail couldn't contribute but by then england were far enough ahead of the game that 421 was really really a top top total this would have been a very good score no matter what and consider the opposition made just 135 sri lanka were really up against it so dilruvan perera took a 4 for Embuldenia three for and Asita Fernando the fast bowler took a two for. Uh, surprisingly, one in one in Dhasranga really was not successful. But when it came their turn to bat again, Sri Lanka showed a lot of resolve. Their openers went about their job with a proper proper you know serious attitude and determination. So they put on a hundred and one run partnership for the first wicket be- before Kusal Pereira was dismissed. And then uh, number three Kusal Mendes failed. He made just fifteen. And uh, Lasit Embuldenia. Um, who was a night watchman failed but then angelo matthews dinesh chandimal niroshan dikwela everybody kept scoring but you know it was very crucial lahiru tirumanna having got to 100 should have carried on and again angelo matthews having got to, to 71 needed to carry on because this middle order had to contribute they were so far behind in the game even though they made a very very challenging 359 thanks to a little bit of lower order totals as well it was not going to be enough so when it came to england for the second turn dom best took a 34 sam karan who would never be kept out of the game we know it took a 2 for 37 and then jack leach who bowled patiently throughout the test match took 5 for 122 so they did enough the england bowlers they had put enough of pressure that you know they, all they had to chase was uh, 74 but then the test match started to turn a little at that point right embuldenia took 2 for and then in a confusion johnny bersto ran out his skipper so from you know 3 for 14 anything could have happened recently given that there have been some low scores by teams across the you know equator who knew what could have happened but then they weathered the storm england 
So Johnny Bairstow and Dan Lawrence kept the rest of the attack at bay for the evening. And then on the fourth morning, they just came and wrapped up the game. So that was very well done to England. Again, a 1-0 lead in a two-test match series and they have one more to play. And they really look like they, they're, they're looking comfortable to take the two-match series 2-0 really. Sri Lanka are completely looking shattered. I mean, they've made some changes. We see that they have dropped uh, um, Kusal Mendes, who scored an oddie, as it was called on Twitter by somebody, four ducks in a row, and then a 15. And then, so they've let him go. Unfortunately, their skipper, Dimut Karunaratna, who's also a very important figure in this 11, right? Not just a skipper, but also as a batter and as a leader, he's very important. They have lost him. So Chandimal was asked to lead in this test. He looked really reluctant. When Once England got on top, he really looked completely bereft of ideas. With such a lot of experience on the field, Angelo Matthews, Dinesh Chandimal, Lahiru Tiriman, all of them have played a lot of tests, right? It looked very weird to see Sri Lanka running out of ideas. And at one point in time, I remember their coach, Mickey Arthur, like really gave them a thorough bashing in the pavilion. It was actually visible. The TV caught a part of it. So it was, it was not nice to see all that. But I mean, Sri Lanka really need to dig deep and they need to come up with a better performance. They're playing at home. They don't want to concede another whitewash to England, consecutive whitewash to England. So they'll be really determined to pull one back. So if you're an Indian Test Match fan, I'm sure you'll want that to happen. You know, knowing how things are going, who knows? It'll be a very mouth-watering series when England reach India's shores, no matter what the result of the upcoming test between Sri Lanka and England goes. That was a quick summary of the test. Following that, I think we can take a quick look at the Ireland versus UAE one day as well. So in this case, the second ODI between Ireland and UAE had, had to be abandoned because of more positive tests in the UAE camp. So this UAE sort of kept losing players because of covid and then in the decider, it must be said, the third ODI was played out on the 18th. And then in this case, Ireland batting first made a middling 228 for six. In fact, they were in trouble. They were 4 for 82, they were 3 for 10, and then anything could have happened. But then their lower, lower middle order sort of contributed. Harry Tector 33, Lorcan Tucker 42, and then Curtis Camp for 56, and then Simi Singh, really the player of the match by far, who scored a 50, unbeaten 50, at a very fast pace. Then came back to bowl and unbelievable figures, unbelievable figures of 10 overs, 4 maidens, 10 runs considered, 5 wickets taken. So fantastic, fantastic figure to blow UAE completely out of the water. And that was a one-sided game and UAE were 116 all out. So the series was shared one all. So now UAE are done with their, uh, let's say, the playing. But then Ireland will stay back in UAE because they are going to face Afghanistan. Afghanistan is already there and are warming up. Having served out their uh, quarantine, they are now warming up there. And now we can look forward to the one-day series between these two teams, right? So this was, let's say, a roundup of all the international cricket that was played. If you were to now take a quick look at some of the other cricketing news. So uh, there is this very, you know, very nice scene. So how people of New Zealand continue to be so nice in spite of everything. So the Sophie Divine set a new T20 record in women's cricket by scoring a 36-ball century. Mm-hmm. In the you know in the tournament, she was playing for Wellington women and they were chasing 131 and they chased it down in the ninth over. With Sophie Devine finishing 108 not out of just 38 balls and her partner 20 not out. Right? So it was a completely thoroughly barnstorming innings. And one of the nicest things to see was how in her 100, she had this, you know, she hit a six. And it hit a little child, a little girl who was sitting in the audience full. And instead of sort of celebrating what she had just achieved, Sophie Devine looked shocked and she was on her haunches on the pitch, really worried about what had happened to the kid. They even stopped the play for a few minutes. Kiri, did you get a chance to see this? 
I saw a replay. I mean, I saw a small snippet of a video, and indeed, he looked very shocked. I think it was not a case of celebration, but it was more a case of shock. Uh, and I think a couple of balls later, she ran to the child, uh, even crossed the boundary holding, and then uh, now spoke to the child, and then saw that everything was okay. I think she had an ice pack on her uh, on her cheek or something. Yeah, yeah. The swelling. It was pretty nasty. I think it was for such a small child, mm-hmm. uh, getting hit in the face. It's not so nice. So I hope. everything is fine with the child and uh, yeah she gets indeed. to watch more cricket in the future i hope she's not discouraged indeed right from coming to at least watch it if not get to play it herself so uh now um if you were to take a quick look at some of the news from uh, pakistan cricket so you know there were a lot of claims counter claims about mohammad amir about you know the circumstances he was made to undergo and he had to declare a retirement uh, i heard a, an interview of his as well and then misbah has come out and said most of those circumstances that he claims are made up so it he was purely left out based on his performance and his lack of commitment nothing else you know this mental torture that he talks of is sort of made up and then amir gets back and says he's only willing to come back to the team if this management uh, party of let's mm-hmm. say misban wakar leave uh, some some drama there giri yeah yeah i think if uh, i don't know if you watch this toy um, boxers uh, youtube channel i watch some of his videos once in a while i think there he mm. came out with an outrageous not claim i think is more like a a rumor that misbah is on the way out uh-huh. and he will soon uh-huh. be replaced by andy flower i don't know if you heard it heard about it but uh, apparently that's in the offing so it might happen sometime soon they're probably mm-hmm. just waiting on the financial terms and it's going to be you know it's more of that mickey arthur thing it's going to be very difficult he's a as far as i've read somewhere i think andy flower is what a strict guy Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of his coaching methods and his regimen and everything, I don't know if that actually suits Pakistani way of cricket. Uh, so. We'll see if he's really brought in because sort of it also goes with what we read that there was a review of the coaching staff and they have been sort of extended for one more series and there'll be one more review at the end of the South Africa tests. So it mm-hmm. remains to be seen if you know what sort of rumor mill that we hear. I hear a lot more rumors and not all of them come true, but. let's see if this one does so but all in all some some intriguing news coming out of pakistan cricket there and then of course you have um, you know ghana who will be hosting the african games in 2023 are in line to actually include cricket in this so the cricket uh, association of africa right icc africa they've sort of proposed that ghana also include cricket in this event so you have of course south africa zimbabwe you have namibia these are all experienced cricketing nations but then you also have many fledgling nations Ghana itself, right? Nigeria. And then Nigeria yeah. is there, of course. Kenya, sort of, they have regressed quite a lot in the last couple of decades, but they're still there on the map. So it would be mm-hmm. interesting to see if, you know, the Commonwealth Games of 2022 could have been, let's say, one of the places where it was played. But then the women's cricket has been in- included, we know, right? So similarly, this is a nice move to see if you know cricket can be also globalized a bit more as as a part of these international, you know, uh, games. So it will be very nice to see. In another news. some global investors have come in and uh, for rajasthan royals they are injecting some funds at the right time because you know in a week's time we have the ipl auction coming up for the new season so it's it's sort of the right time so you have some you know uh, some international uh, businessmen a consortium that's sort of backing the emerging media ipl limited which is the majority stakeholder right so uh, it's all right time it remains to be seen now that with a 10 team tournament in the offing from 2022 at least right yeah. how many matches will be played i mean i i read some ridiculous numbers like 90 i don't really see that happening but it remains to be seen 
right yeah. it just really seems like you know fin- we finished ipl like couple of months ago like we finished in november right we are, mm-hmm. we'll already have another one <laughs> coming up in a couple of months so it, it's crazy yeah. no but something interesting to be seen is there are a bunch of uk people uk businessmen and also some tech entrepreneurs from america who are investing in uh, rajasthan royals it remains to be seen well what it means for cricket in general because we hear these rumors of the you know uh, major cricket league mcl uh, scouts doing rounds in all of uh, south asian countries and other places like west indies whether it's really does all of this mean cricket would take off in a big way in america right so when america oh, do it they do everything big so maybe it's not a bad thing let's see how it goes it's- Yeah I think they did the same with Formula 1 I don't know if you remember that Formula 1 was taken over by a company called Liberty right uh, so in yeah and then they wanted to expand that in US they're still trying to do that of course but uh, it, it's going to be very difficult for cricket to uh, you know pick up and like it's, it's not easily understandable indeed i mean too 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 many intricacies frankly but okay we'll see if it does pick it up so now if you were to take a quick look at the trivia section today So the trivia question from the previous episode was which player playing in his 100th test match was a part of the last away team winning a test in Gabba Giri in 1988 were we sort of you know forewarning about yeah. something to come do you think with that question there yes absolutely mm-hmm. i have a crystal, what is it called a crystal ball good to I know see i mean the future i could see into the future no this Fantastic. is uh, this is the one and only you know sir isaac vivian alexander richards the one and only the most destructive batsman of the modern era mm-hmm. you, you cannot uh, admire this guy's uh, <laughs> wagger i think the guy who bought who brought score swagger into cricket the way he did it was at a next level yeah 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 so he was all theater of course right so when of course when a batsman got out and it was richard's turn to uh, turn to you know walk into the middle he would always take his time make everybody wait and then there he would come out with his arms you know uh, stretching his arms mm-hmm. uh, and chewing a gum you know I mean I would have loved to have seen him play live in a cricket stadium but uh, unfortunately it didn't happen so. well I mean but all we can enough. see is all those youtube videos but yeah they're always entertaining amazing amazing indeed and what a, what a what a I mean I I won't say it it's, it's a tribute but 32 years or almost 33 years after that victory mm-hmm. india have won you know a visiting team have won in the in the gaba so Mm-hmm. it's what what an achievement that just goes to show how much of a fortress it was uh, you know portrayed as in the media so it, india have mm-hmm. you know broken that post. well i wonder what happened to all those come to gabba will show you claims <laughs> i mean but i think we'll leave that we'll leave that for another episode so Why the trivia gabba mike yeah all right yeah, so right. the trivia question from this episode is which player has faced the most number of balls in test cricket I mean, the answer is not a surprise to every anyone. But what we would like to, what we would like to also ask is, can the number of balls be guessed and also the num- average number of balls faced per innings? What that works out to for this player, right? So we have discussed in detail about how Pujara's contributions of you know absorbing the balls has really made an impact for this Indian team. So we thought you know this makes a relevant question here. So you could always get in touch with us to give us an answer to this question. via twitter at amchair cricket we are usually online with some live cricket ongoing and also we are also always eager to listen to what you have to say or what you think about how what our work so far right we are always encouraged when we get some uh, comments from our users it doesn't have to be always positive whatever you feel we are very eager to listen to 
do leave us a comment if you think you know we are available on portrail on spotify on apple podcast do leave us a review if you think we are doing a good job you know a lot of good cricket to look forward to giri so i think uh, our upcoming episodes will be also equally exciting for test match fans having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye this is the armchair cricket podcast